Hello and welcome to another James Bond podcast. On this podcast, we will be watching and lightheartedly reviewing the Bond films. We're going to discuss the good stuff, the bad stuff, the cool stuff, and the ridiculous stuff. I'm Corey, and I'm a James Bond fan. And I'm Danielle, and I'm aware that James Bond is a thing. to a new episode of another James Bond podcast. Hi! Last week was my birthday, and I thought it would be a good idea for us to watch Becoming James Bond. Is that what? Becoming Bond? Yeah, Becoming Bond. <laughs> With uh, starring Geo Laserbeam, who's uh, pretty great. For those who've been listening to all our episodes, we've gone through the James Bond canon? Is yep. that what it's referred to yep. as? So now we're on to other stuff. Other stuff. <laughs> and turns out our other stuff is reviewing a film. Yeah, right. So, I mean, we had this sort of plan to do some James Bond lifestyle things, but we're currently under pretty tough COVID restrictions. Like the strictest lockdown so far, I think, or no, just as strict as when we started? It's different because there was more shut down the first time around, but they never, I don't think they, well, they did restrict travel. You were supposed to stay in your neighborhood. So I guess it's a little less strict because I was shut down. Only just. Yeah. Anyway, long story short. um, (laughs) We can't do any of the stuff we want. Right. So we want to get into some lifestyle stuff, maybe try things we've never tried before, um, different things that Bond does. But uh, that won't be in the next few weeks because we're not allowed out of our neighborhood right now. Pretty much. So for Corey's birthday, we watched Becoming Bond, which and, we believe is the title of the film. And, and The Martian. <laughs> and The Martian. Right. But we won't Both talk were about very that. good. Matt Damon would make a good Felix, actually. Matt Damon would make a really good Felix. I mean, he made a good Jason Bourne, so I mean... Yeah. Felix be old hat for him. Yeah, he would make a good Felix. I never saw any of the Bourne films. Oh, really? Yeah, I read one of the books three quarters of the way through and then forgot it at a laundromat. Right. The first one's great. That's the one I read. I'm kind of... They're all fun, I guess. Um, but the first one is fantastic. Clive Owen's in it, who was also supposed to be a potential Bond. Oh, right. He's in it. There's a really amazing uh, car chase with the classic Mini. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah. I could have seen Clive Owen as Bond. Oh, for sure. But I'm glad he didn't. Just because I didn't ever want to see Clive Owen sort of restricted and like limited to Bond. Right. Well, because he's done like a lot of really great roles. And had he done Bond, eh, it might have limited his time. I think the documentary we watched proves that you don't have to be restricted to Bond. 
the only you can walk away and then <laughs> right true do something else with your life exactly spoiler <laughs> right so how do we frame a discussion around a documentary i don't know we didn't take notes either and we were drinking heavily so <laughs> drinking heavily. <laughs> <laughs> i think it was the morning actually so no no, no we watched drinking. martian first okay right let's just talk about in generalities a little okay. bit because i like we watched it like a week ago so it's not super fresh in my mind and like i said i took no notes i think you took a few only last time but then i got bored <laughs> I mean, um, not the film. It's just like I just seen it, and it was. I really do plan on watching it again because it was really good. Yeah, and I'm assuming the film was not only the documentary maker's idea of what he wanted for the film to be, but also George Lazenby's idea of what made him become Bond, essentially. Right. And I found it really interesting that to him, like the ten years leading up to him landing the role had a part in it had such a big part in it like three quarters of the film are the 10 years leading up to him right getting the role and then the rest of it's like 15 minutes of the movie the part where he's actually james bond i suppose it's called becoming bond and not bond right but still right off the bat it wasn't what i expected because i didn't watch a trailer or anything like i didn't know that there was going to be any acted out parts hmm. which i think was kind of my favorite parts really it reminded me of drunk history without the drunk part where someone's narrating a story and then you've got actors like acting out bits <laughs> and literally sometimes it's the person narrating voice that comes through the actor right like the fourth wall where he talks <laughs> to the camera he did that like a, a little bit yeah, but it's more just yeah. It, it reminded me of drunk history. Right. Um, there was a bit no of no one was drinking. Oh, Lazenby when he's in the bar, he's like, "Mate, can I tell you a secret? I couldn't get an erection." Oh <laughs> yeah, no, but like the person narrating isn't drinking. Right. Any. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting how for him his first love was the most important part of this story. And it's not someone he's still with. It's not someone yeah, right. that he actually had a successful relationship with. Right. He was his own worst enemy in the whole situation. Yeah. He gets really sad and nostalgic about having lost her, which and he even... didn't lose her. He did terrible things Yeah. that made her go away. Yeah, it was kind of on him. So my, my thing is, too, is, and I don't want to, you know, sit and criticize George's feelings or whatever. You just you just gotta wonder, like, what is this current wife thinking when she sees that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think there might be something to be said about how far removed he is from that time. Like, that didn't happen ten years ago, right? That was a long time ago. Well, like, he's in we're his talking 80s, right? about fifty years ago. Right. So I think he was probably a little bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Like maudlin. Where you're like yeah. reminiscing and kind of really sad about it. But I don't think it necessarily reflects on whatever the current status of his life is. It is interesting because you commented on the part where he was talking about not getting his diploma. And you, and you said like he still hurts about like you can, he still upsets him. You can see that it, it yeah. uh, still upset him. Which is like, yeah, it's crazy. That's 60 years ago and he's still... I mean, I guess we're not all that old, so it is kind of interesting to think you go back and reminisce in that far and that 
pain sort of comes to the surface so quickly. But if you think about your most painful memories, like the stuff that wakes you up at 2 a.m. and you're like, oh my God, 20 years ago, I said thanks mom to the waitress. You know, the stuff that you're like super embarrassed <laughs> about. Yeah. Um, that just sticks with you. I think for him, that was one of those moments yeah. where it was just extremely embarrassing for him that he showed up to graduation, which what kind of school doesn't tell you whether or not you've graduated, but he shows up to graduation, his mom's there, and then turns out he didn't graduate. I'm wondering if he might have, you know, fluffed up the story a little bit on that part. Like he didn't go to school the day where they were telling you whether yeah, or not you graduated? Or, or they, he probably didn't, like maybe he didn't show up. He just didn't, like he didn't go to the ceremony, but he was just sort of ashamed because he didn't graduate maybe i mean our narrator might be unreliable we don't know he's the one telling the story and we can't well we he, can't he's the narrator it. at that point no that's what i'm saying he yeah. might be unreliable right. we don't oh, fact okay. check it we don't know it's just his story right i thought you were talking with tate no that was fun <laughs> though because we were watching the reenactments and i was like oh that guy looks really familiar uh the guy doing the reenactments and for once, I actually recognize someone before you do because I don't usually Shocking. know who anyone is. And then even then, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and then I had to Google it. But. Yeah, so we actually have been watching Superstore, and he was in the first few seasons. He played the pharmacist. Tate. Tate. Right. He's very, <laughs> very, he's very lazy. I guess Tate's kind of lazy. Like the actor himself, I guess. What's it, Josh? Josh Lawson. Right, 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 right. It was interesting because I think I didn't clue in first, but he I, uh, the scene where he is working out of the car and he rolls up from underneath, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like he really embodies Lazenby. So I I didn't really know they were gonna get into the whole fictional, not fictional, sorry, the whole played out like the whole acted out sequences of his past. And then I was like, "Who that?" Like when they did have the little kids, I kind of thought they were just gonna end it there, and then they went into his adult life and. He doesn't look like him necessarily, but he immediately embodies that sort of character that Lazenby has in his real life. So I was like, man, they actually really convincing. Was there anything? So I know you listened to an episode of The Dollop about this, and they're pretty right. thorough in their research. Um, but they mostly talked about the actual part where he's going, he's trying to get the part for the film, and right. not like the whole past. No, they did all that too. I think I think Gareth is uh, Gareth Reynolds from the Dollop. I'm pretty sure he's friends with the filmmaker. Okay, uh, and that was the thing. And the filmmaker was like, "Yeah, he's like, you should give me a call. He's like, you come hang out with Lazenby." And Gareth was like, "Absolutely." So he in the in the podcast episode of the Dollop, which they called a Smallop, um, they did get into Lazenby's past a little bit and just okay. him being a being like a, a goof and. With the snakes and the bats and all that kind of stuff, yeah. Is there anything in the film that shocked you? <laughs> Not really. Just I, th I think the amount of... Uh, my appreciation for him is just how much he seems to be Bond in his own way. Just the, you know, the sleeping around for one thing. That was pretty apparent fairly early on. Um, the 60s and 70s were a wild time. <laughs> Uh, the amount of swagger he has in his real life, it, it, it definitely, I mean, that he developed, I guess, because he didn't seem to have it. He from... seemed to be shocked by his own swagger. Like the whole part right. where he's talking about getting the 
getting cast as Bond, he actually seems shocked at his own nerve of having done certain things. Like, I don't know why I did this, but I just did it. That is the one thing, actually, now that you mention it, the one thing that sort of shocked me with him is that, or that really surprised me with him, is, like, how sort of naive he was about things. Like, oh, I didn't know this. Like, the... The part where he meets the president of Australia. He's like, you know, I'll never tell you, you look like the prime minister. Um, and then he's like, oh, and your name's Bob, too. Like, he just, he seemed to be, like, I don't know, a little disconnected from reality. And then he'd have these moments where he'd sort of clue in and be like, oh, I, or, or he just, yeah, it was just, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But he just, in, in a charming kind of disconnected way, like, he didn't really, things outside his world didn't really matter. But when he did clue into them, he's like, oh, hey, cool. I was a little less charmed by him, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's like I, the truth to what you say there also applies to what I'm going to say here, but in a different way. Um, I think he didn't have a lot of insight into why he behaved certain ways, right? And also had this external locus of control that like he did a thing that caused something to happen, but instead he's just really sad about what happened. Without reflecting on how his behavior... Right, yeah. So, like, we're talking about his first love, which he cried about on the film. So he had this kind of on-again, off-again relationship with a girl that was sort of, in his words, out of his class, like, out of his league. Um, And he was very much in love with her, apparently. But as soon as he got a modeling job, he cheated on her. Right. And, and then, then got home and was like, oh, she found out and then she left me. And it was like so sad because I was all alone <laughs> and I never thought that she would break up with me. And he's just going on about how it's a really sad, but not like I did something really wrong yeah, that yeah. caused her to break up with me. Yeah. It was just like, it was an awfully sad situation that this happened. I don't know what I could have done differently. <laughs> well, maybe not put your dick in somebody else. Just a thought. Th- there's one thing. And then he tries to make up with her later on and he calls her. This is after he's landed the role of Bond. And he invites her out. So he's, I can't remember, Greece maybe? Yeah, so something like he's, that. Yeah. He's somewhere France, and he France. calls her and invites her over. But then gets subsequently gets a call from like his agent saying he has to get back to London. Right. And so he meets her at the airport and is like, just stay, I'll be back in like 48 hours. Yeah. And then he never sees and her again for 20 years. And then he never sees her again for another 20 years. So obviously he did not come back. He did not call. He just left her there. And then he's crying about how sad it is that they never worked out. And you're like, but you're not looking at your role in this. Like you could be like, I'm really sad that I made that decision. Like it was all the glamour and the lights and the glitz. And I made that decision <laughs> yeah. and I'm sad about it. But all he's saying is like, oh, that was really sad that it happened. <laughs> I don't understand why, like, he's like, just stay here for 48 hours. Just be like, okay, give her a couple of night days in the south of France or something, or and, and then buy her a plane ticket, or be like, hey, I fucked up, or I, I didn't fuck up, no fault of my own, I have to go back to England, because he honestly didn't know. Buy her a plane ticket, take her back with you. Just You were able to fly her there, just take her yeah. with you, or call two days later and be like, I'm not making it back, like... Here's your ticket. It's waiting for yeah, you at yeah, the exactly. airport. Yeah. Come and join me on my press tour. Or Maybe that wasn't was easy doing. to do in the 60s. I don't know what he was... It was easy this. to do to France. Why couldn't he do it in the other direction? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it, it is one of those things you're like, why? Like, She's better off without him. 
I'm sorry. That's the whole thing oh, I was thinking. Well, like, probably, oh my god, yeah. he was treating you like crap. You're better off without him. Well, there's that clip of Diana Rigg where she says he's the architect of his own misery. She is though. Because <laughs> he, he was, was dating her during the film, the filming of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. She said, "Okay, well, if we're gonna do this, it's gonna be exclusive." And then he was sleeping with one of the one of the uh, what the hell do you call them? Extras. No, it was one of the the women that were reprogrammed. He was sleeping with one of the cast. Yeah, we'll say fembots. <laughs> so yeah, you know, he his I mean, when I say he's charming and, and kinda he's just kind of a funny kind of way, but I do agree, like, yeah, he kinda screwed the pooch when it came to nailing down the, the relationship with a woman of his dreams. Like his what he said, Oh, she's like the ideal woman in my eyes. I'm like, well, if she was, you shouldn't have fucked around. You weren't the ideal man. I think he was someone who made very rash decisions without thinking of the consequences at all, which actually got him really far in life. So yeah, obviously, for sure. he got a lot out of this, and he was charming, and he was handsome. And then there's Thunder. <laughs> um, so it did get him really far in life, but it also, I think for the now as an old man looking back for the things that really would have counted, I think he probably regrets it. Well, I mean, by him not saying it on camera, like I, I think a lot of that that pain that he still feels is probably remorse. Like, and, it's, and him not saying it was his fault kind of thing is just him sort of glossing over it. Obviously, it's his fault. I'm sure he knows it's his fault. He probably should have actually said that for the camera. I'm not sure he knows. He's not insane. Like, I'm sure if you sat down in a pub with him, like, hey, explain this to me. Like, well, I fucked up. Like, I'm sure he'd say he fucked up. But, I mean, that probably makes for a slightly better story if you can play the wounded deer kind of thing. Like, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's not completely insane. I don't think he's insane. I think he's slightly <laughs> oblivious. Well, whichever. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. And I found in the film he didn't, exactly explain his reasons for walking away from the Bond franchise other than they wanted him to cut his hair and shave his beard. Like, I know there was way more to yeah. it than that, but it's not really explained in the film. In the film, it's not. But in the... And really, honestly, the only reason I know any of this is because of the Dollop podcast episode. Um, and, and that, like, apparently the director was like wouldn't allow him to get any takes. So he would take the first take. Um, and then George would feel sort of insecure about how he had acted. And then he wouldn't get to redo the scene. So he was trying to sort of become an actor while he was there. And the director was just like, nope, first cut, first cut. And he said, he's like, George acts better when he's angry. So he was only allowed to do one take of everything. So, yeah. And then, of course, he had to overdub all his own all his own dialogue afterwards. Uh, and I think that was sort of frustrating because he worked on his accent for a really long time. Um, so they actually used the actor's voice who did Hillary Bray for the, for the coat of arms scene. They actually used his voice, not George's sort of fake voice. So, I mean, there was a lot of frustrations for him and that was his first role and he didn't really feel like he was given a chance. So it's kind of like a fuck you to the, to the way he was treated on that film. And plus the, with Bond films too, that the directors usually do more than, more than one, right? Mm -hmm. So he knew if he signed the contract, he'd most likely be working with Peter Hunt again. And I'm all about, like we talk about this unrelated to our podcast, but related to our life, how 
your work doesn't necessarily have to bring you great joy. I mean, the reality is for most of us, we're not going to be like, oh, my work is my passion. My work is something that pays the bills um, and hopefully I can tolerate. But I don't think you should work somewhere where you're miserable. So if that's how he was feeling, and I know I'm going to sound like an old person when I say this, and I guess I kind of am getting there, but he talks about the drugs and the sex and the late nights, but it doesn't sound like it was fun. Like he said, like, oh, they would call me up at like, right. I'd go out partying, I'd like pass pass out face down in the bed with my shoes on and I'd get called at 7 a.m. to go film a scene. Yeah. And the way he's talking about it, it doesn't sound like he was actually having fun. I think he was like... I'm sure the first like two or three nights, it was probably a great time. Sure. And then probably got pretty tired pretty quick. But like if he was miserable at work, I can see why you would keep doing that yeah. just to sort of like everybody loves me, but I hate this. Having known nothing about this documentary, like literally nothing other than what I heard on the dollop, I'm wondering if they do get into the story a little bit more. Like maybe it just didn't sort of make it to film. Mm -hmm. Like just depending on cuts and edits and stuff. Yeah. So I mean, obviously any documentary you watch has a certain degree of bias, right? Because it is cut by the filmmaker and his team. So at (laughs) one point they... It wasn't cut by Diana Rigg, so... (laughs) Um, obviously they make it take a direction. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good time though. It was really funny. And he seems like a, like a pretty charming dude. Uh, it was a really fun movie to watch. I honestly, when you said you wanted to watch it, I was like, no, (laughs) but it was your birthday. So I did. And I really did enjoy it. I actually really enjoyed it. Right. So what did you think of the bond in this film? (laughs) Actually, I did. Speaking of the bond in this film, in the very beginning of the film, they show modern day George. He's getting his tux on. Or he's getting his, his tuxer suit. I can't remember. But he's, he's getting dressed up. He's tying his shoes. And he's got, got his Omega. Because obviously they probably hand him a couple of watches every once in a while. And he still, you know, despite the fact... He was 29 when he did Majesties. And he's... I can't remember. He's he like, looked 40. And he's, back in those days, back everyone in, looked so much Back in those older. days, everybody did. But, um, so he's 29. And at this film was a couple of years old now. So I can't remember how old George is. But... He still walks with that same sort of swagger, swagger and sort of youthfulness. Like so, when they sort of see him walking into the hall, into the room, uh, it was like, damn! Like he still. It's just interesting to see that he's still very much George Lazenby that he was back in the day. And so, um, listen to a few podcasts here and there uh, for the anniversary of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. They went to Peace Gloria, and Lazenby was there, and he was talking to some of the the bond community folks and they were all having a few drinks and then he got up and went over to a table where there's a bunch of women and he's like hey ladies like who wants to have a drink with james bond and he like bought everybody like at that and you know just being his charming what's beer swilling self i guess like he was just still having fun and everything so yeah he sounds like he'd be a pretty cool guy um where does he rank for you in terms of your favorite bond. It's weird because like he's not high on my ranking, but his film was. I, I hate to say it, but I think I'd have to <laughs> watch them all again <laughs> to sort of figure out where he lands. Well, you're on your own for that one. <laughs> I mean... Or if, wait till your next birthday. Yeah, there you go. Watch all 25 of them. Um, it's your birthday week. I don't know. You know, I think, I think he's third for me. Like Craig Connery. George, I don't know about Pierce and Roger. I don't, are they... And Timothy? Yeah, see, Timothy sits at the bottom for me. But it's like, it's... 
it's hard though because daylights was so great and i think they all brought something except maybe roger they all brought something (laughs) to the films um that was their own i'm just kidding he did too just didn't enjoy what he brought um well you did because i think when you went back through like you were like oh these are actually pretty yeah 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 um I mean, he made so many that some of them are okay. <laughs> like, he just had Yeah, to I mean, Spy Love Me is, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I he's just not my favorite. Like, I didn't... He brought a little he too was... much... He brought a little too much fun to it? Yeah, he was too goofy. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of that was the times as well. Like, it was just how things were played out then. But yeah, yeah he's just not my favorite. And, like, I, I put him at the bottom, but I don't really mean it. Does that make sense? Like, well, I just... I mean, you put them at the bottom, but you don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's... You, you kind of... They all have their pluses yeah. and minuses. Sorry, Raj. I mean, it's kind of unfair to really rank them, I think. Because why Why does it have to be a competition? Why can't you just enjoy it for what it is? But you, you just, we all fall into this. Like, oh, who's the best? I guess it's maybe easier to say who's your favorite versus, like, let's all put them in order. I'll only discuss the top, and that's it. <laughs> You're a top. So it's just number one, and then the rest are all just level playing field. How about that? Everybody's in second place. Everybody's in second. Everyone takes home a badge for participation. I don't know. It's it's one of yeah. It's one of those things. Maybe I guess I just have to watch Honor Majesties again. I just think of that scene where he comes in with a knife and he throws it at Draco, and then oh, he actually threw the knife for that. No, he didn't. They had a guy throw a knife for him. He had, no. Yeah, but he said he missed his target, didn't he? No, he said the knife thrower that they hired missed the target, so he threw the knife. Oh, okay. I think I heard that wrong. Well, that's what I understood. Right. And the safe cracking scene where he's got the, the really... The magazine. The huge, clunky safe cracking machine that Connery had figured out, like, much more compact. Me, yeah, I was sitting there reading the Playboy, and it was really great stuff. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's it is a little hard to take him seriously with the kilt and the Austin Powers sort of for yeah it's a, it's a bit much and and really if you think of it a large portion of the film he's he's in that getup it's like yeah. actually most of his fashion choices are bad I don't think they're his choices that blue ski suit with. I'm assuming zero insulative, insulative properties. Didn't like, we also see, though, and I think this might have been Roger, a yellow ski suit with like a red hat? Oh, yeah. Hat yeah, yeah. They, mustard ketchup. They put him in yellow because they didn't think he'd show up on camera. That's why he's in yellow. In what other color? Like, there's more than one color. Yellow is oh, not yeah. well, the only option. Yeah, he's, got a, he's got a red a red backpack. That's what it was. Mm. He looks like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> Right in the middle of the bun. Right. And that's why the same reason why they gave him the burgundy car. They gave him a Lotus and then painted it burgundy for all the snow scenes. They didn't think it would show up either. Like, Jesus Christ. But like, what do you mean? <laughs> if they put them in white, sure, but there are other colors than that. Well, if you think of Majesties, they're all in white and they look fine. Or uh, look at um, Inception, which was the style of Inception was based on, on Majesties. Inception is not a Bond film. It is. Very much so. Uh, it's inspired by Majesties, but yeah, all the, they're attacking the uh, the castle or whatever in white, and it's just they should have screen tested it first and then see what happens. But whatever, they just went with yellow because it was the seventies. 
Let's put them in yellow. Why yellow? Why well, we don't have any green sneeze, uh, snowsuits? <laughs> the avocado color is uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. back up. Anyways, yeah, the film was fun. We learned a little bit about George, and I think it was probably the most I'd seen with him in interviews and stuff. And mm. he was, it was kind of cool to see him candid. And It's a very interesting story. Um, it's a good documentary, even if you're someone who's not, like, super into Bond stuff, but it, it was good. I liked it. It's one of those stories where, like, the most unbelievable parts are true. You know, like the, the Connery haircut and and stealing, stealing or possibly <laughs> buying. It's unclear what this. Yeah, I think the real Connery story speech. is that he that he bought it, but I mean, for in the, the documentary, it's not said either way. <laughs> it's implied. It's implied that, that it was stolen. It. And then next scene, he's leaning on the thing, and he's wearing a Rolex as well. Yeah. So yeah. They uh, they didn't talk about the Bruce Lee thing too because he was supposed to do a project with Bruce, with Bruce Lee. Yeah, they skipped that before he died. So yeah, it's a recommended documentary. If you're a Bond fan, definitely watch it. If you're not, it's still fun. I want to say if you're a Bond fan, you've already watched it, but we can't really get it here in Canada. So yeah, <laughs> we just have our ways. We have our ways. We have people everywhere. We do. We don't. We do. No, we don't. We do. No, we don't. <laughs> We do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last 20 minutes of the episode. Right. We do. Do you dream? But do you really dream? Is there anything you wanted to add about that? No, I don't think so. Just uh, watch it and have fun. So shall we talk about our next project briefly? So something we can do, despite lockdown, is we can try to get in shape. Right. Inspired by the Bond 25 Fitness Challenge, we decided that we are going to do five weeks? That's what we said. Five weeks? Yeah. Sure. So we decided that we're going to do... 25 weeks? No. Five weeks. <laughs> we're going to do five weeks of training. And we. I think we're going to post a little bit about what we're going to do. And we're also going to record some episodes while we're going through it. Right. But the idea is to do some of our training with the thought of like if I was cast in a Bond film or if I was Bond, like these are certain basic skills that I would need. And we're not talking about fighting or anything, but we're talking about like you need to have cardio. You need to have the right. ability to move quickly. So we're going to work on that kind of stuff in different ways. Um, hopefully water will be warm enough to start swimming as well. Uh, kids were swimming yesterday at the Spryfield. It's actually been pretty nice. So, I mean, the water's still going to be cold. So it might right. be some jump in, jump outs. But I think we'll post some information about what we're, what we're doing. And if anybody wants to join along, we'd be happy to have you on our journey. Cause... You want to do that Skyfall thing still? What Skyfall thing? Like the, remember the image I showed you with the Skyfall workout? I do not. Okay. Oh, Right, you found a workout online, like a yeah. bond workout online that was mostly body weight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, I found at one point, I don't have, I, I highly doubt it's connected to Skyfall in any way, but there's two <laughs> generic images going around that claim that the Skyfall workout, well, they actually seem legit. So we're like, yeah, we'll just do that. We have, uh, we have at home workouts we could do, but I mean, these are these should be quick and easy. Because the at-home workouts we have are fairly big investment in, in time. Yeah, and we're both really short on time right now. So we want to do things that are quick and easy and right. hopefully enjoyable as well. So five weeks. When are we starting? Monday. Okay, I'll say the date because this is only coming out. When would you like to start? Um. So yeah, this coming Monday might be a good date. So we'll just... Um... 
Monday the 24th. Okay. So we would end the 27th of June. So I guess we'll discuss our ups and downs and what we've achieved. And I actually have a like an actual goal in mind where I can button that bottom button on my jacket. <laughs> that doesn't seem to be quite fitting the way it should. Okay. So that's my uh, hope as an end result. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a... I always have a hard time with a goal. I mean, generally to feel better would be nice as a start. You know what we could do, which you're going to not want to do? I'm not down. What? <laughs> so I'm already not down. Because um, cardio is one thing we're going to both have to work on. Mm. And we talked about doing like running a 5K um, and doing some sprint work and stuff. Uh, we could we could race a 5K. See who wins. Race a 5K? You and me. No, oh, gross. Yeah, we could do that. You've got longer legs. You have an advantage. You have... Um, I enjoy running. I have an yeah, advantage. Yeah. You enjoy running. You have better pacing. Yeah, you'll you'll probably kill me at that. That's okay. Just, you are competitive, though. <laughs> Not when it comes to running. I feel like you are. The sprint, the sprint that I, I do at the end of the runs that we do is just for fun because like, I've been doing this for like 4.9 kilometers and it's not that entertaining. And so I like sprint for the last 0.1 just because it's fun. I like running fast. I was running. Um, what? <laughs> I was running. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was running. Jenny. Yeah. So I, I will. I'll post up the workouts we're gonna do, and people can <laughs> judge us accordingly. Because should just... I post the jacket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just sort of talk about our progress as we go, or I'll post about our progress. I don't think we or need lack it. thereof. Right. Maybe we can just have like a blip at the end of every couple episodes. I don't know if we're going to do exactly the same workouts. I think we had different ideas, but then the gyms are closed right now. So right. it's going to have to be at home. And Well, I mean, five weeks might get us through COVID, right? And then if like the climbing gym opens up, I'll probably do that. Anyway, we'll keep everyone posted right. as to what we're doing where I'm going to kick your butt. But All the buttons on my jacket work. So how are we going to gauge this? I know win the 5K. Oh, okay. You're going to win the 5K. All right. Yeah. And looks so good doing it. There you go. I'll wear my jacket. <laughs> and the June, it might be warm. <laughs> my jacket. You just have to have somebody at the finish line to put you in the jacket. And <laughs> yeah. then you can button you know, up the top button and then... Na, 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 when you run a marathon na, 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 and they put that foil blanket on right. you, instead it's my jacket after 5K. <laughs> Which jacket? Um, It's that like mid-length sort of tan color right, one. Right, right, right. With the snaps. I've had it for... I think 15 years, mm -hmm. roughly. Okay. So at the end, we'll do the play the Rocky theme. And, well, I snap that last button. And you'll snap the last button and then... All right. That's the game plan. We'll yeah. have to get that on video. God. So yeah, that's it for our little blurb about the Bond 25 Fitness Challenge and becoming Bond. Join us next week when we discuss something else. Next week. Are we doing weekly? Join us in two weeks. Join us in a week or two when we talk about how the challenge is going. Right. Join our Instagram to see how the challenge is going. Right. Okay, bye. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate, like, and subscribe. If you're looking for a little bit more content, you can find us on Instagram at Another James Bond Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, which we would love to hear from you, you can contact us at anotherjbpod at gmail.com.